Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard pivoted out of campus-based positions and have experienced success by translating our education skills into a new career path. With almost 16,000 downloads across our 35 episodes in our previous seasons, the need is clear and we're back for Season 3. For show notes and information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. Our inboxes are clear that you all need support with your pivot. Therefore, if you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, check out our website for pivoting resources and our consultation services. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Now, sit back and get ready to be inspired. Hello and welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Studdard. And we're really excited today to have Erin Stein with us on the show. Erin, feel free to say hello to everyone. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. I um, think we actually learned about you from one of our previous um, guests. They like sort of tagged you on LinkedIn and said you would be someone uh, great to chat with. And definitely in looking at your back uh, background on LinkedIn anyway, it, it is a very interesting one. And I think one that will um, resonate with a lot of our listeners. So I am excited to kind of dig in. And with that, um, if you could just, you know, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about, about your background in higher ed, and then sort of what made you decide to make this pivot? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to rewind it the whole way back to undergrad. Um, I went to the Rochester Institute of Technology in the early 2000s, RIT. And when I was there, I was sort of the classic hyper-involved student. I was a resident advisor. I was a teaching assistant. I worked in the Office of Admission all four years. I was a, a tour guide. But my undergrad degree is in photography. And so when I graduated, my, my actual sort of first career um, was as a retoucher and a design assistant. Um, I didn't get very far away from higher ed, though, because soon after I started teaching community college classes, I taught intro to Photoshop and intro to Illustrator, which ultimately led to uh, me leaving that job to take on a summer role teaching high school students. So after a uh, failed first foray into graduate school, where I thought I was going to get a master's of fine arts and become a professor, I actually found myself back in the Northeast applying both to design jobs and to higher ed jobs and got kind of the best of both worlds when I was hired as an admission counselor at Parsons School of Design at the new school. So in that role, I got to use both my design background and experience and be back on a college campus, uh, not knowing in early 2009 that I would spend the next 12 years on that campus. Over the time um, that I spent there, I held five different roles. Uh, the new school is the most international institution in the U.S., so a lot of what I did was centered around international admission um, and, of course, a focus on design education, design recruitment. I was director of admission for Parsons School of Design for several years, which culminated in my last role, which was AVP for enrollment, 
um, overseeing all of undergraduate recruitment and admission. And I held that role for three years. So now, now we're getting almost to the present. I know that was sort of warp speed um, through time in an institution. It was great. I loved it. It was, it was really great <laughs> to get that background. I, I, I particularly love hearing people's background in higher ed, particularly those who started as tour guides or orientation leaders or resident assistants, because I think that's how we all fell into it, right? Absolutely. It's how, it's how you know it's, it's a job that you can right. apply for, that you can go exactly. back to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and I, and I loved working there. I worked with the most fantastic people really enjoyed my time, but I sort of in that last role as AVP for enrollment, I, I started having a lot of things change that sort of prompted my, my own thoughts. We had a few leadership changes and of course, uh, the pandemic hit and what to me started happening is I had the distinct feeling I was spending each day not using my strengths or doing the things I really like to do. And for a while, I chalked that up to being an emerging leader, growing, expanding. A lot of the feedback was, I'll get used to delegating, um, professional development. But I kept looking at that next step for me, which would be VP of enrollment and thinking, wow, I do not want to do that. Which prompts the question, what do I want to do then? And I started looking around kind of specifically in the ed tech space. We were going through a CRM implementation, which uh, I think maybe awed me with the power of technology to make or break us in these positions. And I started having a lot of conversation um, with people, companies, reaching out to anyone I could think of because I was definitely interested in a role that could impact more than just my own institution, thinking more broadly about higher ed. And so speaking to uh, various individuals about roles in sales, customer success, consulting. And I was ultimately introduced to where I work now, Campus ESP, because in my last role at the new school, I had been the one authoring communications to parents. I was host of the sometimes terrifying parent Q&A during obviously a time of crisis um, where there was so much constantly in flux. And Campus ESP focuses on parent and family engagement for universities. And I had such a positive experience as a buyer um, on the campus side that I reached out to them and said, hey, could we, could we have a virtual coffee? Could we talk a little more? Because I'm really intrigued by the product. And I really appreciated the people I'd met which led to the role I have now, which is an account executive at Campus ESP. And I've held this since um, last June. So I transitioned June of 21. Wow. Uh, so first of all, fascinating background. Really love the story. There's a couple of things that really resonated with me. Um, and you don't have to respond to these. I just thought that they were pretty interesting. One, um, that you hit the assistant VP or associate VP role and saw sort of the next step as the VP and were like, don't want to do that. And that's exactly the internal conversation that I had when I was going through sort of the student affairs realm, which was, yeah. I made it to sort of this assistant dean role. And I knew like one, two steps up and I was going to be a dean or a VP. And I no didn't want to do that. <laughs> right. But, but what's funny is when I first started, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm going to be a VP. Sure. Someday. And then the more you sort of understand that role and, and the distance that it has from students and the distance that it has from student development, I was like, nope. So appreciate that, that, that background. The other thing that really sort of stuck out to me was 
you're not the first person that I've spoken with either through the podcast or through the consults that Jamie and I do that did a CRM implementation and got really excited about technology and really excited about the company that they worked with and either sort of found a way to that company or found a way to sort something similar. And so before I ask sort of the next official question, I really want to dive into that a little bit because it's really unique. I don't, I don't think five, 10, 15 years ago, people thought, Ooh, I could go work for the CRM or the database system or whatever it is that I'm installing on my campus. They saw it as sort of like a systems thing, an admin thing, not my role. And so I'm interested about like, what excited you about the CRM implementation that made you then decide like, Hey, I'm going to go think about being a, an account executive, which I think at least in, in our world, that's sales. So what made you want to go sell that CRM to other campuses? Yeah. So indeed, uh, an account executive in my world is also sales. Uh, and in specific to my world, it is new business. Um, so definitely doing that first point of contact, uh, bringing new universities and, and colleges in. But to your question about CRMs, which, you know, or technology as a whole, I, I will say that while our CRM implementation interested me, it also humbled me in a way that was sort of striking to, you know, sort of cheerfully, you know, as an outgoing recruitment person for many years, you know, diving in, jumping, you know, jumping forward to have something so technical with so many twists and turns and so many people on campus involved. And when it goes great, it, it is life-changing. You know, the, the data you have at the snap of your fingertips, when it doesn't go great, it is, it will bring you to your knees. And so I think, I think I was awestruck by the power that tech has for change, which I had just not experienced for myself in that moment. And then also just thinking specifically about the things that I was attracted to in the role I have now, or even, even sales. I was so excited about Campus ESP as a product and a company that it made it much more comfortable to think about sales or think about really trying something new. I, I feel like sometimes that's, a, that's the role that people say, oh, but I don't want to do that. That is, that's not me. Something else in that space that would feel comfortable. And so uh, I think, I think my, my belief gave me a little bit more of a, a launch into moving forward and saying, actually, this is going to change my institution and to be in a role where I can share about the ways this can help people who are in my role and can help the wider institution and also just help the transition to college were all things that were sort of highlighted in front of me, I suppose. Yeah. And one of the things that I will sort of just, and then I'll get to the official question, I promise, uh, is if you can get CRM implementation experience or even sort of to the side of that implementation experience on your campus now, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you have the ability to do that, I highly recommend it because if you're moving into corporate, if you're moving into nonprofit, we all use a CRM and to have that understanding in underneath your belt is only going to advance your, your candidacy for a job, you know, whether it's in corporate and tech and ed tech, whatever the case may be. I know I, that's one of the first things I look for is do you have fill in the blank CRM experience for us at Salesforce? And if you have it great, if you have implemented it, it's almost a given that I'm going to, I'm going to interview you. So I, I appreciate that you brought that up because I think that 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 is an experience that if people can get, it's only going to help them. So absolutely. 
Yeah. Okay. So like I said, I promised to get to the official question, which is you're in sales, which I absolutely love because I work for a sales organization. Although I'm not in sales, I'm in the post sales environment. Um, I'd like to do a little bit of a deeper dive into what it is that you do on a daily basis. um, A little bit more about your current role so that folks who are listening can understand what it might like, what it might be like to go into sales um, and particularly to go into maybe CRM, CRM sales or CRM for, you know, educational institution sales. How did you find it? We sort of know because you implemented it, but um, you know, what was that process? What was your, what's your day-to-day like? What are the things that really help you be successful in the role? And then maybe close up this question with like, what's your top two likes and your top two dislikes? Sounds good. I think I can, I think I can get all that. So first of all, I would say my role as an account executive is really about presenting a solution for institutions. It feels natural to do so because I am often speaking to my former self, uh, who my blast position um, often worked with our vendors um, at the at the institution. So um, it feels familiar to make those calls, have those conversations. And in, in making that jump, some of, some of the things that felt really natural, I would say, as uh, someone who managed an enrollment pipeline is a sales pipeline has a similar concept, right? You need, you need enough at the top so you can get the butt, enough at the bottom of the funnel. And these are all connected to numbers, which there is, I think some of the things that scare people about sales are also some of the things I find comforting because it's laid out on paper in a way that there are clear metrics, it's easily identifiable, Um, and so there's sort of a cement to it and a weight to it that, um, gives you a a playbook in a way, uh, in a, in a typical day, um, or sort of just, you know, how, how my week functions one, I will say as someone who used to be in meetings all day, every day, I was shocked at how much free time I had. And I, and it's not free time. It is time to control as I best see fit. And I had, you know, and maybe not to talk about likes or dislikes, but surprises are after years of saying, oh, I have so many meetings. I'm in meetings all day. I don't have time to do my work. All of a sudden I had time to do my work and found I had a steep learning curve to know what to do with that time, which is humbling as someone who's worked professionally for 15 years to really transition in that way. So what that looks like in a, a day-to-day space for me is, off, you know, the my day could be any one of a combination of a few of these things. I might be researching a college or university in preparation to reach out to them or pulling together images and branding guidelines to create a custom demo environment. Or I might actually be making that demo environment. My, my designer heart loves actually that I still get to look at some visual things in that way. And that might be a little unique in some sales structures, but we do pull together our own demo environments. I might be reaching out either in response to requests we get or interest we're seeing via email or web interactions, or it could be a round of cold calls. Um, And amazingly to me also, people do pick up the phone and they will talk to you. Um, So, uh, you know, I might also be actually meeting with a person or, you know, a wider group at an institution in an introductory way to understand more about what they're hoping to solve, share more about the work that we do with parents and families for universities. And then in the background, there's the steady hum of Slack where I'm reaching out to my colleagues, asking for feedback, checking in on the day because I do work fully remote. Uh, we are based in Philadelphia, but um, my, my day-to-day is either at home or we do have a co-working space in New York where I get to check in with another colleague sometimes. So it, it, it's, it's sort of a cadence and mix of all of those things together 
And one of the things I love also that um, our CEO has talked about is that really, as someone in sales, you're a mini solution architect. You are thinking not only, you know, it's not just about a sale. It's about how is what we are working with helping you as an individual, helping you as an institution and having a background in higher ed certainly helps figure out how to help someone navigate their own space and challenges, be it budgets or um, silos within a university. So I do love that I get to often pull together all of those things to help offer that solution as a part of the process. You know, it's funny, I, I say just because I mentioned remote, I'm not, I, I love the benefit of being remote when it comes to travel or mobility or flexibility. I'm actually a very in-person person. So in some ways that has taken some time to get used to, even with the runway of the pandemic, I, I loved being on a campus. I loved that sense of community along the way. So some of that is, I think, certainly challenging. I think also just in regards to some of the, you know, sort of like, what else do I call upon in my day to day? It's being a good listener. And it's also preparing to make sure that you're making best use of someone's time to go into a conversation of what's in the strategic plan to understand what's happening behind the scenes. And I'm going to come back also to that having a product or a company that you believe in. That makes, that makes every time I say, okay, I have to make some, I have to make cold calls, which is still something I'm becoming more comfortable with. I know that whether that person who picks up the phone wants to talk to me or not, that I have something to share that I know will benefit from them. So it's okay if they don't want to have that conversation, but if they do, I truly believe that I'm going to be able to help them with some aspect um, of a challenge they have. I don't think I got all of that. What do we need to go back to? <laughs> no, I, I, I think you nailed it. It was, it was perfect. Um, I'm going to let yeah. Jane ask, ask the next question, but I, I just actually, um, for those listeners who don't know, Jamie and I have like a backend chat to make sure that we don't stumble on top of one another. And I, I literally texted her. Which like, Tom ignores I, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I texted her while we were talking. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, she's amazing. Um, like, I love your story. It's, 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 Thank you. it's, it's partly because I work, you know, uh, in that sort of environment too. And so I really, I really appreciate it. So Jamie, I'll let, I'll let you take over. So I apologize. <laughs> I, what I love too is honestly, we give a fair amount of advice for folks that want to go into ed tech. A lot of times I'm like, you know, stop, think about the companies that you currently work with and reach out to them or that currently work with your campus and, you know, reach out there. And I also love the fact that you emphasize the cold calling component. Because we have a lot of people who I think would be open to going in sales, but they just like market as being so far out of their comfort zone that they don't really consider it. But you've articulated, and we've had other guests, I think, here and there talk about, you know, well, if I really believe in it, and but they weren't necessarily in specifics in sales roles. So I, I think it's, it's great to hear that because I feel like that's, reassuring for people and I I'd love to I have some other questions but would love to ask more about the cold calling because I think people like that's a, a fear part and so you talked about like you're getting more comfortable and I, you articulated so well like this is what I keeps me grounded what does it look like with regard to is this where your view of the pipeline comes in like you know you need to make 
X amount of cold calls in order to get to that like campus presentation. How do you sort of structure that and what are your general, I mean, without it being too specific, but what are your general sort of expectations around that? And what, what advice would you give people if they're like, that just, I don't know if I could do it. You know, I, I feel like, I don't think I've articulated this work. Cold calls are like a symbol of fear when it comes to sales. And one of the other things that I would say that I felt very comfortable about in my interview process and my search is that I was going to join a supportive sales team. And so I think culture and feeling like, right, there are clear metrics and you need to do a certain amount of outreach to get a certain amount of meetings. But I felt that through the interview and and conversation process about where I work now. Um, and I found that to be true. And I think that having a supportive structure versus, I mean, whether it's movies or um, you sort of maybe even a pop culture look at like sort of the diehard sales, like really intensive and competitive environment to, I feel so fortunate to have landed in a really supportive one. It gives story and growth and knowledge to that really numeric side of it. And I think also the thing is that there's, there's so, um, there's so much outreach that's linked to other things, right? Like you kind of want to know a little bit, if you're a school that there's a couple other schools that are within 20 miles that are also using this, you know, like some of this is sort of like a, just a helpful intro. The answer can still be no, but you might want to know that that might be really interesting to you. And it also gives some grounds of someone on an institution side wants to make their own calls being presented with this. Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of this one yet. I'm going to do a little digging myself. So I don't, I, I think I sort of naively first was like cold calls symbolic for just cold outreach, but it's often much more thoughtful and <laughs> yeah. strategic to connect to who you work with already um, we know in higher ed, also people transition institutions, they take their knowledge with them. They go mm-hmm. to new places and say, wow, we loved you. I want to use you here. I want you to come in and create buy-in with a new group of colleagues that I'm working with now. So I think it's much, you know, it's, I think there's, there's sort of much more of an ecosystem to it than I admit that was yeah. always my fear. I think yeah. also within this is maybe a really important part of my own search Um, And I might be jumping ahead to a piece of advice (laughs) that's supposed to be at the end, but I think this is really, (laughs) I'm going off script, but, uh, but sort of like deeply connected um, for me is identifying what it, what it was that I was trying to do first, as far as like the things on my list of transitioning jobs that I was trying to accomplish before I eliminated types of roles or types of companies or entire divisions, because that helped shape the types of things I looked for. So I knew Mm -hmm. I was very interested in being an individual contributor after many years of management, wanted to sort of take a moment to have a transition and and have a role that I got to really focus on my own day to day. I knew I loved talking to people and I wanted as much face-to-face as I could get. Um, And also I wanted to be able to incorporate some of my experience and background and strategy in a way that felt really helpful. And sometimes when you list those things out, that doesn't necessarily mean customer success doesn't necessarily mean sales, but to have your own, your own list more clearly identified so that as you read job descriptions, you have an understanding of where those goals might fit in rather than potentially eliminating an entire 
you know, career path out of fear or just sort of maybe lack of knowledge. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that actually transitions really well to the sort of next bucket of questions that we want to ask about, which, which really does relate to what are the skills or experiences that you have had that has helped you pivot. And it sounds like, I mean, kudos to you that you really took the time to sort of ground yourself on not just what are the skills that you have, but what do you want to carry forth in the next position that really brings you the most joy? Um, I would love to learn more about that. What are those skills? And then um, also on the flip side, are you finding or have you found that there are some maybe gap areas and, and how have you sort of sought to fill those either prior to getting your position or in the role? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the things that, helped me is, is I think both intrinsically and then also whether it's working through pandemic or sort of the ups and downs and needs and transition of, of a, an influx institution is the ability to sort of stay calm, which maybe sounds very simple, but sales, sales can be either you're so excited. You're, you're talking to this person, you're talking to this person, they're calling you back. And it can also be very quiet. And so there's these this ebb and flow. And I think about the seasonality of working in admissions for many years, the super high energy, you're running around on the road, you have to sit in a seat and read files. And so even being able to take like really big picture things like that and being able to transition those to a new role have been really helpful. I think also um, maybe even, even just the, you know, some of the things I'm learning or I think are incredibly humbling is um, I, I joked about it. I still joke about it. You know, when you move from working in a, a campus-based role as an institution, and then you become a vendor, you go into business, you've, you've gone to the dark side. And that, that switch is immediate. It is, and I had thankfully had, had several conversations where people warned sounds dire, but I, I think they genuinely want you to know that all of a sudden when you're making a call to someone you've known for 15 years, about a product, oh, it's a different thing altogether. So it is humbling and it is um, just a very a different mindset. You're a part of a different community. And so I think that that actually is something emotionally that I, I know I still think about and, and I've watched others sort of work within as well. It's good, it's good to have awareness, uh, even though I love my new world. I love the old, you know, I love working at an institution too but you do sort of step over to a different place. I don't know if you and Tom experienced the same thing, but it seems to be real. Yeah, I, I absolutely. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I talk about like with professional associations, it's like one, one day you could hold a leadership position in them. And the next day, you literally are the same person with the same experience that you just happen to have a different job and you can no longer get as many conference proposals accepted and you can you're like you can't hold positions of leadership it's it's bizarre it's a bizarre thing yeah i i think it's 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 both fascinating and also when i when i step back away from it some of it makes sense too right i think about the bombardment i would get as an AVP of just sort of a hum in the background yeah. of lots of emails, calls I would happily ignore. Um, and so to be able to tap into that and know that, you know, people, 
people's time is, I mean, so valuable. There's so much going on. There's so many competing priorities. And so definitely having that knowledge is really helpful. I will also maybe add that something I, I feel like I'm still learning how to best use myself is that when I first stepped into my sales role, I had a little bit of an idea that some of those doors would open because I had this knowledge. Like, why wouldn't you want to talk to me? I understand exactly what you're going through. Like, of course we should have a conversation and to really need to take a hard look at having purposeful, thoughtful conversations where I was really listening, not just because I'm in a different place, like not just sort of just, just chatting to chat, but I I'm really trying to have a focused conversation about your needs. And I, I didn't know how to do that yet. Um, so, so both learning from that place of having a different conversation, um, for, for the sales process and help solve, solve problems was that was, that was a learning curve. And then also being able to effectively use my background at the right time and in the right way. So I feel like some of the best calls I've had or best meetings are when I, I can sort of say, you know what? when I worked in enrollment, this is what I saw at the right moment. And that that's, I'm going to keep working on that for a while. It's not the opener. It's the, how do I include this at a time that really truly makes sense for the, the particular question at hand or for you as an individual or an institution? Yeah. I, uh, to go a little bit back to a couple of things that you've talked about, you know, the, the experiences that you are bringing to the table, uh, really are experiences that help you at the table today, right? So the yeah. things that you did in admissions, like at the core of it, and and, and I started my career in admissions. So um, I feel like I can say this, so I hope I don't offend. But at the end of the day, we're selling our college. We're selling our institution. I worked for my alma mater. So I would go out on the road every day wearing my gold polo and sell, you know, Arizona State, which is where I worked at the time. Um, and, you know, you're in a sales role now, you're selling a product that is a solution, right? Um, and so, again, it just sort of remind the reminder there to, to everybody listening is that the, the things that we're doing in higher ed, the things that we do in student affairs or enrollment management or, or name the, the, the area of higher ed that you're in, translate over because it's the same skill. It's just a different spin on what it is. Yes. We don't, we never talked about selling the institution, but that's what we were doing. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, enrollment and we talked about, you know, come, come achieve your goals. And we had sort of the, the language that looked really good on a, on a campus brochure, but at the end of the day, we were selling it. And when I worked in orientation, we were onboarding it. Uh, and so, you know, the, again, the skills that you're bringing to the table are exactly what you've developed, you know, over the course of a career. And it just sort of continues to show to our listeners that, yes, you are developing the same skills. You can move over and do that. And particularly you in sales, because again, as Jamie pointed out, uh, you know, sales feels scary, but it's not when you sort of pull it down to its, to its, its core. And, you know, some of the things that you talked about, like building a pipeline, enrollment pipeline, uh, you know, I worked on that, that side, you know, on the, on the, uh, orientation side, it's no different than building a pipeline for, for, for selling the solution that you're, that you're selling to, to colleges. And the fact that you have that expertise and can make that connection with your former colleagues across the country, you know, really, really sort of, um, shows what we're doing is, is, is super transferable. So I really appreciate that. I want to close up the show with just one quick sentence, one piece of advice that you have for our listeners as they think about potentially making that first pivot out of a campus-based position. 
Yeah, I, I think it just comes back to really thinking about the things that you are trying to change um, about about your professional path, um, regardless of what you think that might be called um, and use conversations with other people to work on the, what's it called? No, I think no one else can tell you, you know, how you want the end of your day to feel or the list of things that you're excited to engage in. But if you have that ready to go, I think it makes um, whether it's an interview or an informational conversation more powerful because someone who's made that transition or someone who's working at a company can probably help guide you towards the things that might, check off that list. So just to, especially as you're beginning, I think that's some of the, the ways to start that certainly helped me. Well, Aaron, I, I, I think I speak for Jamie. I know I speak for myself when I say thank you. I found your story absolutely fascinating. Um, I think part of it is because I feel like uh, I work in a little bit of a similar environment. Um, yeah. And I know Jamie does too, because she works in ed tech. So it was like a perfect sort of uh, melding of our experiences and listening to you. Um, really thankful that you decided to join us for this show. And I know our listeners will get a lot out of your story. So once again, thank you very much for joining us. To so all the listeners out there, um, make sure that you check out our show notes or contact information and more information related to Aaron's story. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you next week on the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast and our consultation services, visit pivotingoutofedu.com.